Today we're continuing a message series which I've called Bond Servant. And perhaps you've noticed on the slide there's a chain there. It represents bondage. It represents everybody who's a slave, everyone who's a bond servant. Everyone who's a slave or bond servant serves a master. And of course the question is, who is your master? Who are you a slave to? Reminds me of an old song, date myself a little bit, many years ago called Gotta Serve Somebody uh, by Bob Dylan. And I'd like us to listen to just the first minute. You have to listen carefully when Bob sings, okay? Uh, to hear the words, just the first minute of the song is called Gotta Serve Somebody. All right. Everybody's gotta serve somebody. Maybe the devil or maybe the Lord but we have to serve somebody. And so there's only two choices. Bob got it right. There's either the devil or the Lord. People who serve the Lord know that they're serving the Lord. Most of the people who are serving the devil, they don't realize that they're serving the devil. You ask them, who are you serving? They're not going to say the devil. Uh, they serve all kinds of things. The devil hides himself. The devil is kind of like the ultimate puppet master. He hides and he has all these puppets out there that are the things that people serve. People worship and serve idols, the Bible says. Things like money, pleasure, prestige, drugs. Some people worship themselves. People worship all kinds of things. But behind all these things is the devil. And he manipulates these little idols that people bow down and worship and, and spend their lives on. The tagline in our slide, if you can read it, is free to be a slave. What does that mean? We haven't talked about that. Well, Jesus came to set us free from slavery to all these idols. He set us free so that we could submit to a new master, to Jesus Christ, and be his slave. Because, you see, everybody serves somebody. Either the devil or the Lord. There are no other. Now, today we're going to be talking about walking with the Spirit. We're going to talk about the contrast between a person serving the devil and a person serving the Lord. How do our lives differ? Let's look at Romans 8, the first passage today. And I'd encourage you, well, I didn't get a bulletin today, but in, the, my, in your bulletin, uh, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to take it out. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline. Romans 8, verse 8 says, Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And so a person serving the devil is controlled by their own sinful nature. They are slaves to sin. They are slaves to the devil. They cannot please God. That's what God's Word tells us here. On the other hand, a person serving the Lord is controlled by the Spirit of God. And that person is a believer. Every believer, the Bible tells us here, has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? People have funny beliefs about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not... Anything else like that, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God Himself. He's the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit. Each 
and every one of those persons is God. They are all equally God. God the Father dwells in heaven. Jesus, where is Jesus? Jesus is literally in heaven. Is he not? He has a he has a body. He's fully God, fully man. He has a body and he ascended into heaven after the resurrection. That's where he's at. And so who is here on earth with us right now? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who dwells inside each and every believer. The Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. That's how God communicates to us is through His Holy Spirit. And yet many Many believers don't understand or they are afraid of the power and the activities of the Spirit. There are deeper dimensions of the Spirit that God wants each and every believer to experience. And we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit in our next message series, which is a ways off. It's going to begin on Easter Sunday, April 5th, and it's going to be called A.D. And this Spirit, um, not this Spirit, this series is going to be in conjunction with a television series that's going to start on NBC on Sunday night, Easter night at 8 p.m. and run for a period of weeks. And it's going to go through the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts. <coughs> Peter, could you get me some water, please? Our first... Uh, our first um, point is that as we talk about how we follow the Spirit's leading, we are to walk by the Spirit's power. Our passage today is taken from Galatians chapter 5. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so our passage begins with the command, live by the Spirit. Literally in the Greek, this means to walk by the Spirit. In other words, our lives should be empowered by and guided by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and so when God's Word gives us a command, first of all, it means that what is commanded doesn't happen automatically. You know, God's Word doesn't tell you to breathe. You know, breathe. Breathe and you will live. Why? Because breathing happens automatically. We just do it automatically. And so the things that God commands us to do are not things that happen automatically. There are things that we have a choice. Are we going to obey or are we not going to obey? And so God commands us here to live by the Spirit. Thank you, son. And so when God gives us a command, we have this choice. The other thing about commands is that when God gives us a command, it's possible for us to obey the command. Sometimes I counsel people and, and uh, they come up and we explain to them what God's Word says they're to do. God's Word gives us a command and they go, well, I can't do that, Pastor. And I say, what? They say, well, I, I just can't do that. <laughs> and uh, I say, well, God commanded you to do that. And I say, well, I, I can't do it. Well, they don't understand. If God commands us to do something, then He's going to give us the power to do it. God doesn't command us to do impossible things. And so when we see a command in Scripture, God wants us to follow that command. So we are to live by the Spirit. And when we live by the Spirit, we're going to resist our sinful natures. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires 
what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. And so here in Galatians, we see the very same contrast that we saw in Romans chapter 8. We see the conflict between the sinful nature and the spirit. Now, what is the sinful nature? Sometimes some translations translate it as flesh. The sinful nature is the human nature that every person is born with. We're born with this sinful nature. And this sinful nature gives us a propensity to sin. We tend to sin. We're tempted and we tend to sin. This sinful nature makes every human being a sinner. And so this sinful nature is powered not by God's spirit, but by Satan. He's the one that uses it to tempt us and entice us to sin. The important message here is that when you walk by the Spirit's power, if you're walking according to the Spirit, then you're not going to fall for Satan's temptations. You're not going to fall into the desires of the sinful nature. And so we don't just say no, no, no to something. We say yes, yes, yes to God. And as we go move in this direction, we're going to leave the pull of the sinful nature behind us. We will be following the Spirit's leading. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. And so God's Word here describes believers as being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. We've already said that. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit gives us direction. The Holy Spirit counsels us. He's a wonderful counselor. And so being a Christian is a a relationship. It's not just reading a set of laws. We do this and we don't do this. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. A bondservant of Jesus walks by the Spirit's power. Now last Sunday we talked about growing to maturity. And one of the things that we talked about, one of the keys to spiritual growth is spending time with God, reading His Word, and praying. And we encourage you to do that on a daily basis. Now today I want to give you some help, give all all of us some help in establishing this habit. You know, some habits are bad and some habits are good. Reading your Bible every day and communicating with God is a good habit. And uh, habits are built by doing something over and over again. And so uh, I'd like to give us all some help with that. This coming Wednesday... February 18th, Life Church is going to begin a 40-day prayer emphasis. It's 40 days from February the 18th up until Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter. And we're calling this emphasis, Seek God for the City, speaking of the metro area of St. Louis. So I'd like you to take out a booklet, this booklet that's inside your bulletin. There should be one of these in everybody's bulletin. If you didn't get one in your bulletin, raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. Anybody didn't get one? I'd like us to take a look. Uh, let's, let's just turn over to page five, uh, day one. You can read some of the first pages on your own. And what this booklet has is it has the 40 days between the 18th and Palm Sunday. Uh, there's a page for each day. Let's look at this first day. It has a prayer topic. And the prayer topic is seeking God to bring lasting revival, lasting revival to St. Louis. I mean, we live in St. Louis. We're going to pray for St. Louis. 
And so this prayer topic is seeking God to revive our city. First of all, to revive our church, the church across the city. We need revival. We need people drawn closer to God. We need people hungry for God. We need people outside the church to be revived as well. And so, so we seek God. It has some scriptures written out there. You can read those scriptures. And if you want to do more reading, read the whole chapter uh, that the verses are taken from. And then some text that help you in your praying for that topic on that day. Oftentimes the, the uh, problem people have with spending time with God is like, I, I don't know what to pray for. You know, I, I, I'm not sick. Uh, I've got a job. I mean, what do I pray for? I mean, everything's fine. And so this will give you some, some guidance in praying for things outside your own immediate family, outside your own immediate needs. Oftentimes we get kind of consumed with just praying for ourselves. God wants to expand our horizons and pray for other people across our city. On the right side of the page, you see the green sidebar. And there's another topic for that day. Seek God on behalf of the youth. And we see a scripture and some things about youth. And so you can begin to pray. First of all, you would pray for the youth right here at Life Church. Uh, we have 18 students meeting on, on Sunday nights, most from this church, but some from other places. Pray for them, that God would move on their lives, that God would bring lasting revival into their lives, that they would stand strong for God in the midst of peer pressure. Then you see a little thing on the bottom of the uh, thing on the right, the column on the right, prayer walk. This is just something we'll talk about a little bit more. But this is to encourage you not just to pray in the morning, but to pray during the day. Anybody walk around during the day and you meet other people on your job or when you go shopping? Well, on day one, February 18th, pray with your eyes open for people in their teens. Okay, so you're walking along, you're going shopping, you see some teenagers over there, and that triggers you to just say a prayer to God. God, bring those teenagers, if they don't know you, to salvation. God, if those teenagers are Christians, help them to walk with you. Just begin to pray. When you see a teenager that day, begin to pray for them wherever you're at. Uh, if you're on the job, if you're in your neighborhood, pray for youth. Prayer walking. Uh, trying to bring your prayer not just into 15 minutes in the morning, uh, but being conscious of a prayer topic throughout the day. And it also even has some uh, countries to pray for at the very bottom of the page. So I believe this guide can help you in the next 40 days to focus our prayers. All of us are going to be praying on the same page for the same thing uh, for our city. And I believe God is going to honor that. And as you develop this habit of prayer in the Word over these 40 days, I believe God will help you to continue it throughout the rest of the year and hopefully the rest of your lives. We're going to talk a little more about this prayer emphasis at the prayer and praise meeting this coming Wednesday. And so I'd encourage you to come to that. Uh, if you haven't come before, I'd encourage you to try it out this week at the beginning of this prayer emphasis uh, that we're going to have. And... No one is required to pray out loud, okay? People are, some people say, I'm, you know, I, I, just, I just can't pray out loud. I, that's okay. We're not going to force you to pray out loud. Well, some other people will be praying, and you can join in with their prayers. We're going to learn something about prayer. 
do some praise. So it's a very uh, laid-back time. Uh, there's no pressure on anybody, and we'd encourage you to come out as well. Walking by the Spirit's power, learning to communicate with the Spirit through His Word and through prayer. Not only must we walk by the Spirit's power, we must understand the actions of the sinful nature. Remember, we have the believer walking by the power of the Spirit, and on the other hand, we have the sinful nature. The Spirit and the sinful nature of people are in conflict. What are the actions of the sinful nature? Galatians 5, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Long list, 15 examples, if you count them, 15 examples of the actions of a sinful nature. Now, these actions are prohibited or we're commanded not to do these things for a reason. Some people think God just gives arbitrary restrictions on people so they can't have fun. Well, that's not the case at all. These actions are prohibited for a reason. They all hurt people. They hurt the people who commit these actions and they hurt the people who are the recipients of these actions. And they harm society when these actions are prevalent. They hurt people. They are not actions that God created people to do. The first three are sexual sins, which our society today often condones. What is sexual immorality? In fact, our whole topic at the Bible study this morning downstairs was on sexual purity, and I don't really develop these things in conjunction. It was quite, quite interesting. But sexual immorality is anything sexual that takes place outside the boundaries of a marriage, and I have to add today, between one man and one woman. Sexual immorality is anything sexual that takes place outside the boundaries of marriage between one man and one woman. So sexual immorality includes living together before marriage. Everybody says, I just want to try it out. I really love the person. Now, if you're not married, if you haven't made a lifelong commitment... It's sexual immorality. It's wrong. It does damage to you. It does damage to your partner. It does damage to your future marriage, even if you do get married in the end. In fact, uh, people who live together before marriage, statistics show their marriages are less stable. Uh, divorce rate is higher than people who don't live together before marriage. So this thing about trying it out to see if it's going to work, it, it doesn't work. Uh, it's contrary to God's word. Sexual immorality includes sex with someone who is not your spouse. The Bible calls that adultery. That's wrong. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality includes all forms of homosexual expression. Whether the person is, quote, married in the eyes of the, of the state or not, it's still wrong. The Bible doesn't recognize that type of marriage. In the Bible, a marriage is between one man and one woman. And so we could go on, but you get the picture. These are acts of the sinful nature. The next two are religious sins, any form of idolatry or witchcraft. The Greek word for witchcraft is pharmakia, and it also includes the use of drugs for uh, spiritual experiences. Those are wrong. They hurt people. Eight, relational sins that damage or break relationships. 
The last two are drinking sins, drunkenness and orgies or parties that go along with heavy drinking. And so God's word says that these actions of the sinful nature, they're obvious, but we need to restate them, especially in our culture today, because our culture is tending to say wrong things are right and right things are wrong. And so we need to be clear at what the Bible says is right, what the Bible says is wrong. These lifestyles characterize unbelievers. Galatians 5.21, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, according to the list of these 15, and these 15 are just representative. You know, it ends and says, and the like. There's a lot more. I just, you know, ran out of ink after 15, and I'm glad he did, because, you know, we could spend a whole a whole sermon or several sermons just going through the exact meaning of each of these words. Uh, but we don't have time to do that today. But those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so that's the punchline. Those who live lifestyles, embracing these type of actions, embracing these type of behaviors, they are not saved. That's what that means. Some people say, what does that mean? Not inheriting the kingdom of God means you're not saved. People who are saved inherit the kingdom of God. Ultimately, they're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. That's what it means to inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice these things as a lifestyle are going to spend eternity in the other place. They're going to spend eternity in hell apart from God. Of course, people who repent and turn away from a lifestyle of these actions of the sinful nature will be forgiven, be saved, and walk with God in this life and spend eternity in heaven. I read a historical account uh, this week about the last days of the Civil War. And at the very end of the Civil War, the Confederate capital in Richmond, Virginia, fell to the Union Army. And after it fell, uh, President Abraham Lincoln made a decision to go and visit uh, Richmond. And so he went to visit the city of Richmond, Virginia. And as he came into the city, throngs of freed slaves surrounded him. You see, Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation and the Union Army now had defeated the Confederates and the slaves were now free. And Lincoln spoke to the slaves and he said to them, he said, you are free, free as the air. Cast off the name of slave and trample on it. Liberty is your birthright. He also warned them not to abuse their freedom. He said to the slaves, let the world see that you merit your freedom. Don't let your joy carry you into excesses. Learn the laws and obey them. And so they were set free, and yet their freedom had responsibilities that went along with it. And in the same way, Jesus Christ has set us free from slavery to sin. He set us free from the desires of our sinful nature. But we must, we must live in that freedom. We must learn to walk with the Spirit and not be tempted to, to abuse that freedom or to fall back into slavery to the sinful nature. And not only must we live free, we must speak the truth in our society and in our culture. Not afraid to speak what God's Word says as our culture is increasingly ignorant of God's plan and purpose. As believers, we are not to participate in the actions of the sinful nature. 
we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we have the actions of the sinful nature on one hand, we have the fruit of the Spirit on the other hand. It begins with love. And so these attitudes that are listed as the fruit of the Spirit and the actions that result from these attitudes are the fruit of a life walking with the Spirit. They're a fruit of a life following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Fruit is not something you work up. It's something that naturally grows out of a relationship with Jesus Christ through His, through His Spirit as we follow the Spirit's leading. If we look closely at every action of the sinful nature, we would see the exact opposite or the counterpart in the fruit of the Spirit. So what is the, what is the counterpart to hatred? Is love. And we could go down, what is the counterpart to selfish ambition? It might be self-control. We could look at all of them and see them paired up the way God wants us to live and the way the sinful nature wants us to live. Believers who are growing to maturity, as we talked about last Sunday, are going to be producing more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And what about the sinful nature in the life of a believer? Well, we are to be dead to our sinful natures. Verse 24 of Galatians 5 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. First of all, I'd like you to underline that word belong in this verse. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here this morning, you are not your own master. You are not the captain of your own ship. You belong to somebody else. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus Christ. What he says, you say, yes, Lord, I will do it. Where he tells you to go, you say, yes, Lord, that's where I'm going to go. Without any argument, without any discussion. Where he leads by his spirit, you follow. That's what it means. You belong to Jesus Christ. Believers have crucified, it's past tense, the sinful nature. Our sinful nature was, was crucified with Christ on the cross. Now, I don't totally understand that. That's what God's Word says. But we died, in a sense, with Jesus Christ on the cross. But we need to now live dead to the things that once tempted us, the things that once enslaved us. And so we live dead to the passions. We live dead to the desires of the sinful nature and alive to the leading of God's Spirit. As long as you're following the Spirit's leading, you're not going to be sucked into the actions of the sinful nature. But when you... When you stop following the Spirit's leading, that's the time you begin to get pulled back into the ways of the world. We are to keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We live by the Spirit because the Spirit has given us new life. We are born again by the Spirit of God. The life of God has come into our lives and, and caused us to be born again. 
And since we are made alive by the Spirit of God, we need to keep in step with the Spirit's pace for our lives. Now, some people run ahead of the Spirit. They get some idea and they, they run ahead of where the Spirit's leading and they get in trouble. Or some people lag behind and they don't follow what the Spirit is saying. They procrastinate and they lag behind and they also fall off God's pace. But God's Word instructs us to keep our spiritual eyes on the Spirit's leading and to keep in step with the Spirit. When the Spirit says, turn right, turn left, we turn right, we turn left. When the Spirit guides us to do something or not do something, we make sure that we aren't distracted. We keep walking with the Spirit in His power and keeping pace with Him. Now the very first thing that the Spirit leads every new believer to do is to be water baptized. Water baptized by immersion. Now, we don't have time to do a study on baptism this morning, but baptism is how a new believer really begins walking with the Spirit. You walk with the Spirit by obeying the commands in God's Word, by obeying the commands that Jesus gave us. And Jesus commanded each and every believer to be baptized. We see that carried out all through the book of Acts. Somebody gets saved, what happens next? They're baptized, just like that. Baptism is more than just getting wet. As you go under the water, it's, it's your death to this sinful nature is taking on a new reality. It's, it's, you're not saved by being baptized, but as you're obedient, to obey Jesus' command to be baptized, something happens. It's not just getting wet. Something happens spiritually inside of you. This death to the sinful nature takes on a new reality. And as you come back up out of the water... This new life that you have in the Spirit is there in a new and special way. The Holy Spirit leads you as never before as you are baptized. I might just mention that infant baptism practiced by many denominations is never mentioned one time in the Bible. I've read the Bible many times through. It's never mentioned one time. Uh, There's no allusion to it at all. It does absolutely nothing for you spiritually. Many people deceived, thinking they're saved, all kinds of things, because their parents had them infant baptized. And so if you've been infant baptized, it's something you had nothing to do with. Uh, If you're a believer, you need to be baptized by immersion uh, after you've become a believer. And so baptism is the next important step for you to take to help you to grow spiritually if you're a believer here this morning. And sometimes people made a commitment to God and spend years, and they haven't been baptized yet. And their spiritual growth is stunted because they haven't followed the very first command that God has for believers to follow the Spirit's direction. And so as Doug said, our next baptism is scheduled for March 29th. I encourage you to sign up on your Connect card if you haven't been baptized. Uh, Even if you're you're a child and uh, you're a parent and your children know that they're believers, uh, you know that they're a believer, that they've made a commitment to Jesus Christ, they know what they're doing, well, they can be baptized uh, as well. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. I've talked to a lot of people about this because of unbiblical teaching. Sometimes we have to work through some things, and I'd be happy to talk about it in more detail as well. I'd like us to watch a short video uh, simply called Baptism. Don't procrastinate. Sign up to be baptized if you haven't been already, and uh, God will bless you in and through that. Well, today we've talked about walking in life, 
by the Spirit's power. Walking with the Spirit. Not giving in to the desires of the sinful nature. Following the Spirit's leading. And as we walk with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives. We become more mature. We, we exhibit more of the love, the kindness, the patience, all of those fruit of the Spirit that who, who demonstrated in perfection? Jesus Christ. We become more and more like Jesus. I also encourage you to begin using the Seek God for the City Guide. When does that begin? What day? Wednesday, February 18th. And uh, you can read the the uh, pages before that first day to get ready. And I'd also like to encourage any of those of you who can, whose schedules allow to come out to our prayer and praise this Wednesday night. We'll be talking a little bit more about this 40-day prayer emphasis. God has wonderful plans for you, for each one of you. I'm, I'm convinced of. He has wonderful plans for our church as well. Plans to bless us so that we can be a blessing to more and more people. Now, in order to walk with the Spirit, we must be willing to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to acknowledge Him as our Master. And we do that simply by admitting that we've sinned, that Jesus Christ has not been our Master. We believe in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in Him, asking Him to forgive our sins, and we commit our lives to following Him as our Savior and Lord. So I'd encourage you now to Bow your heads, we're going to pray. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ as your master, or perhaps you have in the past, but you drifted away, and you know that you haven't been following the leading of the Spirit. So I'd encourage you today, if either of those cases are true, to pray along with me in your own mind and commit your life to Jesus Christ. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I haven't been following you as my master. I've I've just been doing whatever I felt like doing. And I realize today that it is sin. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life through your Spirit. I commit myself to following you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you're alive today. And I commit my life to following you. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would help us to walk with the Spirit. Father, today, we thank you for your word, God, that you've taught us today and that you're training us, God, to live the life that you've created us to live. Help us to live our lives by the power of the Spirit. Help us to have ears to hear your leading each and every day. Forgive us, God, for the times that we've yielded to the desires and temptations of our sinful nature. I thank you, God, that as we continue to grow, as we continue to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, that the fruit of the Spirit grows in us. Help each of us, God, to make a commitment to praying for our city over the next 40 days. And we believe, God, that as we do that, you are going to accomplish things in our lives, in our church, and in our city that wouldn't otherwise be accomplished. And as we pray, God, strengthen us and open our eyes to see what each of us can do to make a difference in this city for Jesus Christ. Help us to stand tall in letting our light shine and proclaiming the truth of your word in a society that no longer values the truth of the Bible.
We pray, God, here that everyone who hasn't yet been baptized would have the courage to take that step of faith and to follow your command and grow in you as they do. And we pray, God, that the witness of Life Church would continue to grow as each of us follows Jesus and that our lights together would be a blazing torch in this area that more people might see and be drawn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.